Well, brothers and sisters, good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, I tell you every week at the end of our service to go be the church. And today, I want to dive deeper into, well, what do we mean by that? What does it mean to go be the church? Because the reality is we all bring in various assumptions about what that means, what it means to be the church. We've, we've all grown up in various denominational and non-denominational backgrounds. Many of us have grown up in different parts of the nation or even from the world. Um, many of us have a different upbringings and backgrounds, and so we're all bringing all of that, and we, come, we bring those different expectations when we come together. So we need to examine those things, because if we don't, our spiritual growth, our, our flourishing could be hindered if we don't examine some of these things. And we're in the middle of a series called Grow Together, Flourishing as Disciples of Jesus in Community. And today, I'm, actually, I'm really excited about this message. Uh, I just think the, the Lord has given me some profound ideas that I think will, will help us live together as a, as a healthier congregation. And I, and I think we're doing a lot of these things well. Um, so we'll take that as an encouragement, but let's see how the Lord might enable us to flourish more. Um, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. We're going to dive pretty deeply into those verses. I'll give you several greater statements. I'm going to kind of contrast maybe two different mindsets that people might bring into the church. One mindset I think will help us grow and flourish. The other mindset I think could be a hindrance if we're not thinking about it. And all of these will help us love one another well. And if we love one another, we will flourish. And the first healthier mindset I want to talk about is foundational to all the rest. And it's this. Covenant is greater than contract. Covenant greater than contract. Looking at verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with, another, one, with one another in love. Friends, we do those things. We do those things because we are committed to one another. We're committed to each other, like in a covenant. Now, the term covenant is important through all of Scripture. God has chosen to relate to us, relate to humanity, primarily through covenants. Even right now, your relationship to God is in a covenant, right? We are in the new covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And that new covenant has created the community that we call the church. Covenants are faithful commitments. Create and sustain a relationship otherwise not possible. Covenants are faithful commitments that create and sustain a relationship otherwise not possible. Now, the original covenanters, the ancestors of this denomination that we find ourselves in, uh, they were originally nicknamed the, the, the Mission Friends. And they were a group of pietists coming out of the Lutheran Church in Sweden. And a bunch of them started immigrating to the U.S. in the late 1800s. And they had a very important decision to make. Well, are we going to go back to the Lutheran Church? Are, are we going to go our separate ways and, and kind of be independent? Or are we going to work together? Are we going to form a new group? Because they were asking, how could this tiny, I mean it was tiny, how could this tiny movement of people spreading out over a much large, larger country than Sweden, how could that hold together? How could it be possible? They realized 
that they, were, they would have to be committed. They would have to enter into a covenant. They would have to say, we need to be faithful to each other, to this mission, if it's going to exist. We must covenant together. We must commit to this movement. Otherwise, it will fall apart these to exist. See, I think a covenant mindset is essential for any relationship that's going to be stable and that's giving. But living in an advertised, crazed world, we, unfortunately, I think we've been trained to view most relationships in terms of a contract instead of a covenant. In a contract, we think about, does this benefit me? It's that we, we analyze the cost-benefit of the relationship. Rabbi Jonathan Zacks, uh, he compares contract versus covenant. He said, a covenant is not an exchange, it's a moral commitment. Contracts are about interests, covenants are about identity. Contracts benefit, covenants transform. Contracts are about me and you, covenants are about us. You know, I recently changed my internet provider. I realized I could get a better deal. I could save a lot of money by switching. And you know what? It took me two seconds to decide, yes, I'm going to take the better deal than the worst deal. That's a contract. When it no longer is benefiting me or suiting my needs, that's done. It's over. That's not going to be a relationship that transforms. Sorry, Comcast is not going to transform my life. It's a contract. But sadly, we can take that mindset into the church, right? If it's not benefiting me anymore, I'm out. Contracts are about a transaction, but only covenants can build relationships. To be clear, you know, sometimes God and, and life circumstances bring about a change where we might choose to live our covenant membership somewhere else. And that's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm addressing our mindset. I'm addressing our mindset. In our church, we practice membership. We practice entering into a covenant with one another, which unsurprisingly in America is, is becoming quite a countercultural practice to practice membership in a church. Now, it's not a marriage covenant. It's not legally binding or anything like that, but we do invite you to make a commitment to a people that we believe will transform your life. We believe it will be good for you to do this. And we ask incoming members some questions. You know, do you, do you believe the Bible is God's word? Do you believe in Jesus? Uh, we also ask them, and all of you have probably been asked this at some point, most of you, I should say, do you intend to live among God's faithful people, to hear God's word and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the new, good news of God in Christ through word and deed, and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth? And the incoming members say, I do. Church responds by saying, we, the members of this congregation, now welcome you with joy into our church family. We pledge to you our love and support, our friendship, our prayers, so that together we may continue to grow in the knowledge and love of God. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we typically say, and I, and I was scrounging around the covenant hymnal, and I found some additional words that maybe we've said before, but I don't think we've said recently, and I want to bring them back into this space right now because these words are so beautiful. Listen to this. We freely receive you, even as Christ has received us. We open ourselves 
to fellowship with you in worship, study, service, and discipline. We pledge our willingness to give and receive counsel, to offer and accept forgiveness in the redeemed community. We joyfully accept you as partners, both in the care of our spiritual family and in our mission. Isn't that amazing? I think that's so beautiful. In a contract, we ask, how does this benefit me? In a covenant, we ask, how can I be faithful to this group so that we both can be transformed? I hope you see the beauty in over contract. It will help us love one another well, and if we love one another well, we will flourish. That leads me to our, my second greater than is this. Collective is greater than individual. Collective is greater than individual. Continuing in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all in all. Paul is wanting to make the point we are one. We are one in Christ. And that's why he says make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. That's a lot of effort. Every, do everything you can to keep the unity because we are one in Jesus. Why? Because the collective is greater than the individual. Paul said the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12. In the body, parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Or as Paul said in Philippians 2, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See, collective mindset is about having a concern for the whole, for the group, for the family, for the church, for the community. It's about laying down my interests for the sake of everybody else. It's about we over me. If we live as individualists in the church, we won't flourish. An individual asks, again, what's best for me? A collective mindset asks, what's best for the church? We flourish when we do things that honor the oneness and the unity that God has already put together. If we love one another well this way, we will flourish. Our next greater then is contribute is greater than consume. Contribute over consume. We're going to skip down to verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And I'm jumping down to verse 11. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Essentially, we know this. If we've grown up in the church, you know this. We've all been given different gifts of the Spirit, uh, roles within Christ's body. Uh, these are much more than natural talents. These are spirit-empowered abilities and faculties. Um, that's a whole other sermon on spiritual gifts. We're not going to get into that right now. But the Holy Spirit gifts us to build up the body of Christ. And I'm sorry to say this also, but the world trains us to often consume more than contribute. I was thinking about this as, to illustrate this. I was thinking, you know, as kids, most of us, you know, grow up playing you know, whether that's in the backyard or playing sports. You know, I did all kinds of sports when I was a kid. 
But as you get older and you slow down, you put on a little bit of weight, you stop playing so much, and you start watching other people play more than you play yourself. At least that's for me. Anybody else have this problem? I'm the only one. Okay, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Go, go Buffalo Bills this afternoon. But many of us, we, we get used to becoming spectators more than players. And if we get used to watching, we, we get used to consuming, we get used to uh, just watching what other people are doing on TV. We watch community happen on TV. And so we can get used to that and we can bring that mentality into the church as well. We can get used to watching just what everyone else is doing instead of playing. I want that to be a joyful thing. It's playing, it's contributing, it's being part of it. And if you're a Christian, you're, you're already on the team. So how can you be playing the game? How can you be contributing with us? Because God made us that way. God made us to contribute. He made us to participate, to serve, to be using our gifts. The consumer mindset asks, did I like it? The contributor mindset asks, did I help somebody today? Did I contribute today? Did I make someone better today? These are two opposite mindsets. One will help us flourish. One helps us love one another well. A little mind game I like to play sometimes is I heard from another pastor, and I, I think it was gold. And he says, just imagine if the entire church were you, how would the church be? If everyone contributed the same amount as you contribute, if everyone served the same amount as you serve, if everyone gave the same amount as you gave, if everyone prayed for the church as much as you prayed, how healthy would our church be? For many of you, that's, it's actually, that's probably a really encouraging question. We might be really thriving. For others, it might be more of a convicting. Oh, let the Holy Spirit speak to you on that one. It's about loving one another well. If we do that, we'll flourish. Our next greater than is this. Collaboration is greater than isolation. Collaboration is greater than isolation. Back to verse 11. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Did you notice that? God gives people in various ministries to equip other people for more ministry. God gives all the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, he gives the church those, those gifted people so that they can equip others to do works of service. See, I think God really wants to see his church thrive and flourish. Now, I've heard people say that, you know, primarily maybe one of these five roles. I'm not sure if that's true, but it could be helpful to think about. You might be more apostolic, gifted to start new ministries, new groups, new churches. You're, you're an innovator. You're a, more of a leader. You're at the front. Or you might be more prophetic, someone who hears God or you, you're in touch with God's heart and you want to speak that out to the community. Or you might be more of an evangelist, somebody who has a natural ability to share with others the gospel. Or maybe you have a pastor's heart and role to care for and some of you I know are great teachers if you were in faith, part of Faith Academy and in our Sunday school classes. You know, we have a lot of great teachers. You have an ability to help others make a clear sense out of the scriptures. 
And all of these and more must work together in collaboration, not isolation. Because without effort, it's easy to default to isolation, isn't it? No, I got my area of the church I really like. I'm good at it. I've done it for a long time. I'm used to it. So I don't really need to know about or care about the other things that are going on. It can be easy to slip into that. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, not everyone can or should do everything, but everyone can do something. And we can work together for the good of the whole, for the body of Christ. We want you to contribute where you're gifted, and we want people to do that together in collaboration, not isolation. And we also want to keep learning from each other. One of the key words in this passage is the word equip. These leaders equip God's people. So it's a word that can mean you know, training or per- perfecting the body for its total ministry to one another. And really, we'd like to see a culture where everyone is, is learning and growing together and helping each other get better at our ministry. Like athletes, there, there's always a little more you can add to your repertoire. You can always get a little bit better at your golf swing. There's always a little bit more we can do to make, to make the team better. In fact, in a recent intern meeting, you know, we, had, we, 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 we grouped together twice a month, and we you know, talked about what's going well, what are our challenges, and, and uh, we were talking about discussion questions. And one of our interns uh, suggested an idea. I'm like, that's a great question. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm going to use that question in, my, in, in confirmation next week. And I did, and it was great. So even... I'm learning even from our interns, how do we get better at ministry? Because when we all just get a little bit better, the whole body gets stronger. If we all just get a little bit better, 1% better, the whole body gets stronger. It's about loving one another well so we can flourish. Next, greater than is conversational is greater than echo chamber. Conversational is greater than echo chamber. Jumping down to verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. This was even in the membership liturgy. Did you remember this? this? This giving and receiving of counsel. It's important to be in relationships where we can give and receive love encouragement, prayer, different perspectives and opinions and correction. But alarmingly, our, our world, we're, we're sorting into echo chambers all across the world. An echo chamber, you know what I mean by that? that that's an environment where you're, you're already, the beliefs you already have are simply reinforced. You don't hear an outside perspective out of the system you find yourselves in or the community that you're in. In the Covenant Church, we believe that you're actually stronger, that you will flourish more spiritually if you have relationships with people who have a different perspective than you. We grow by speaking the truth in love. Now, it's, it's not a free-for-all, believe-whatever-you-want community. No, there is truth to be known for sure. God's Word is God's Word always. But we want the conversation to always be open and available and ongoing. And isn't it really hard sometimes to talk with people where you don't see eye to eye? Man, that's so hard. Because sometimes people aren't very nice when you don't share the same perspective as they do. 
And I mean, we've all experienced that, the climate over the past couple years. It's like, man, even just talking about this point, I, I felt my anxiety rise this morning. You know, do anyone else feel that? Even just this, talking about this point, I'm like, whew, that doesn't feel like it's good or maybe safe. But friends, in Christ, there's and heal. If we allow Christ to heal us and we keep talking to each other, and often sometimes I, 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 you can build up this, this scary thing in your mind of oh, this conversation is going to be so horrible or this person is so horrible. But actually when you open the conversation, it's not that bad. I don't know why this came to me in the right mind, but you know, home alone. Where, where, where Kevin is scared of the guy shoveling snow and he comes, oh, I'm not afraid anymore. Sometimes we need to have that in the church. Like, I'm not afraid. We're to love each other. Let's not judge each other. Let's be in conversation. Because if we aren't talking to each other, if we aren't challenged, if we just live in an echo chamber, it's going to be really hard to grow. It's going to be really hard to grow. And we can be tossed back and forth by every kind of idea that's coming at us. We need to be challenged. A person in an echo chamber will ask, does everyone here believe what I believe? And be really concerned about that person in a conversation, conversational mindset will ask, where is it written? And can we talk about what God's word says and work through it together? That's a different mindset. If we love one another well, we will flourish. Our next greater than is connected over segmented. Jumping down to verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Notice it's joined by every supporting ligament. Every tiny little connection is essential for holding the body together in health. And I want to emphasize that that is true for all ages, all demographics, all kinds of people. That's in our mission statement. We want to connect diverse people into compelling Christian community. But most of our lives, we live segmented. We're segmented by ages, by class, by race or ethnicity, by life stages, by generations. We're even segmented by our interests sometimes. But friends, in the church, Christ connects with the world segments. Christ connects what the world tears apart. And we believe that you'll thrive spiritually when you're connected to an extended family with people from diverse backgrounds and experiences. One of our values here is every generation connected. We want our children to understand what it means when I say go be the church. We want them to have a concept of We want them to know how to worship with us. And also adults, we want you to know the children of our church. Because we need them as much as they need us. Every ligament, every supporting ligament joined and held together is what connects the body. A segmented mindset will ask, do I have people just like me? A connected mindset asks, am I connected connected to people who are different than me? Am I connected to diverse ages, to diverse gender, to diverse stages of life? That's a connected mindset. And friends, as I look around this century just looking at you, you give me so much joy. 
because I see all the life stages re- represented. I love seeing our children come forward. I, 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 the, my son was downstairs being watched by Heather Snyder. I see in senior adults. I see teenagers. I, I see college students. I see people at different life stages in their parenting. It's beautiful. We're better together when we're connected. God made us that way. God made the church that way. And finally, I want to give you one last one, is community is greater than false ideal. The first 16 verses of Ephesians 4 are really inspiring. But don't forget what comes after. Paul has to tell the church, remind them to not live in sexual morality, to not be living in greed, to put off falsehood, to stop stealing, to get rid of their anger, to get rid of their bitterness, to get rid of their fighting with each other. I mean, Paul is saying all this stuff because people in the church were doing those things. They were doing those things. We do those things. So that's why he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He wiped out all your sins. He forgave them all. So that is the mindset that we ought to have with one another. And as I said at the beginning of the sermon, we all come to church with an idea of how things should be, of how we would like them to be, how we want them to be. And we know what the Bible calls the church to be as well. But what can happen is if the church does not match the ideal in our head, we can get upset. We can get angry, we can get bitter, all things that aren't good for us. We see, we have to remember, we have to, we have to break this idol, this false idol of what the church is. It will, do, it will ruin the church, it will ruin, it will ruin your relationships with other people. The church is for the broken. It's for sinners, human beings, just like us, just like we are. We have to anticipate that we'll, we will be sinned. It will happen. That's why we pray every week. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. It hap- we pray that in the church because we know it happens in the church. Okay? So our false ideal is an idol that needs to be toppled if we're going to have true community. You have to ask yourself, do you love your ideal of what a church should be or do you love an actual community of people? Do you love your idea more than actual people? Do you love a certain worship service or style more than you love the actual community worshiping with you? Looking around, seeing the next to you, do you know their names? Do you love them? That's what we're after. We're not after the service. We're not after the certain things that we like. We're after the real people, the real church. We're not called to love the abstract church. We're called to love one another. One another. We're called to love Peter. We're called to love Marie. We're called to love Freeman. Yeah, you, Freeman. Called, <laughs> called to love Sally and Tom and Matt and Susie and Phoebe. It's concrete. It's real people, broken people called to love one another well. And that's why I think this, this idea of, 
of, of covenant membership. That's, that's foundational because we, we enter into that with our eyes wide open. You know, some people enter marriage, your, your eyes aren't open yet. <laughs> you, you don't know what you're getting into before you get into it. You know, that's what premarital counseling helps with. You know, we're going to try to enter into this with our eyes more open. We enter the church the same way. You need your eyes open. But we still enter into it. We still enter into it because we know it's worth. We know it's value. We know that we're called to love. We know that we're called to be in community and that that's the only way we can flourish even with all of its problems. That's how we flourish. Let me recap. What are the healthier mindsets that help us grow? We need covenant over contract, collective over individual, contribute over consume, collaboration over isolation, conversation over echo chambers, connected over segmented, and community over some false ideal we have in our mind. I told you every week in this series I want to give you a question, a discipleship question. Here it is for this week. Ask yourself, how is God gifting and calling me to contribute to the church? What role does God have for you in this, in this season of your life? How has the Holy Spirit gifted you to be a member of this, to be a partner with us, what God is doing here? We like to say that every member is a minister. Every single one of you has a ministry among us. And we just, we're excited to see it, it, it flourish because if your ministry flourishes and we're all doing that, wow, this whole body's gonna flourish. So that's why I'm asking you that question. And I want to end on this piece of good news. Friends, our, our oneness, our unity, the fact that we are the body, it's a reality that is already accomplished by Jesus Christ. By his cross, by his death, by his bloodshed poured out, we're going to say in just a few moments, the new covenant in my blood. He has established that for us. So we're already living into the grace, into the reality that Christ has brought us into. He's already done it all. And we just get to accept it and live into that reality. Isn't that good news? Let's pray.